1: Can you see it? Did you know
2: this? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot. He scores! Moments notice. Adam's there.
1: You're
0: listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes beat reporter here. Like I don't, I don't cover the Canucks. Yeah.
2: I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to
0: the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash.
2: Just wave the guy and get Dempko involved. I wanted of them in that. Wow, really? we should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on! I want to fist bump you right now.
0: Thurl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores.
2: Hello,
0: Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code Hockey Season capital H, capital S, all one word, Hockey Season That will get you $5 off your order at Zephyr Epic, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic, on all platforms. They've got a lot of case breaks going on. The group breaks, you can go check it out at ZephyrEpic.com. They also have a retail location in Surrey, so be sure to... To check that out. That was a bit of a tongue twister. The best part about Zephyr Epic, in our humble opinion, is that they ship free. Anywhere. Anywhere in Canada. From.
2: Got to give a shout out to a listener of the show, Evan, uh, for texting this one in. I guess after last week's uh, whole climax situation, (laughs) sent me a town in Alberta. So, uh, from Bowen Island, which is in British Columbia. Beautiful little spot. You ever been? You know
0: what? I haven't. I've driven. Not driven, but. On the ferry, on yep. when I'm going to the coast,
2: I uh, I pass by it. I've never been on it though. Okay, I don't think I've ever been to Bowen Island either. All right, that Anyways. surprises me. Yeah, it surprises me a little bit too. From Bowen Island to Balzac, Alberta, get out of here, okay. Balzac, Alberta. Go ahead, give us a breakdown of your Balzac. Just north of the <laughs> Calgary Airport, Balzac is home to the Costco outside of uh, Calgary. There. Okay, so a little further away than uh, than our Costco is to Rogers Arena, the dome, You got to make a little drive. You got to make a drive to Balzac. Get your Costco is, stuff. Is
0: the Balzac Costco the closest
2: Costco to the Dome? Maybe I don't Maybe know. Maybe
0: that's why Bettman says they need a new arena all the time.
2: Yeah, it's the the Balzac situation. He's upset
0: about having to drive so long for his homeless dog.
2: Here is the other, th- the interesting part about Balzac is the population from a two thousand six census. It's two, one. It's one. No, it's not two. Get your head out of the gutter. One person is in the was done was found to be living in Balzac during the two thousand six census. Where is he living or she? Are they living in the Costco? You might have to go for go to a doctor for that. Well, I've got the answer, quads. Well, first of all, they got a days in there too. Balzac days in. Uh, if you want to go stay at okay, a hotel, there's no for... way
0: the population is one. Yeah, if... it is. I'll tell okay, you why. So does
2: this guy work at all the places? No. The, I'll tell you who the the one person lives okay. in Balzac named Balzac Billy. Okay? Is he the mayor? No, Balzac Are you making this up? No, you're I'm totally not. making this Balzac up. Balzac Billy, is out of here. is a well-known groundhog day prog- prognosticator. Okay? He's one of these uh the groundhog you see your own shadow 6 weeks of winter, 6 weeks of cold, 6 weeks of the yeah, 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 in the yeah, rain, yeah. you're 6 weeks under. Uh he is considered one of Canada's most prominent forecasting groundhogs. Not an actual groundhog. It's a mascot the per- so I'm guessing the one person that lives in Balzac is Balzac Billy. He's a mascot that dresses up as a groundhog, and he predicted six more weeks of winter for 2022. One of the this is and this is one of the big three, okay? One of the big three groundhog one of my prognosticators this is a <laughs> long word to say one of the top three most well-known uh, Groundhog day guys uh, mascots in, in Canada. So wow. just, you know, Balzac, Billy.
0: Okay, so he's literally considered the only resident. Like, there's no houses if I go to Balzac.
2: Here's the thing. I know there's one person in the 2006 census. It's 16 years later now, so I don't know. There could be 40 okay. people. You know what? If you're in Calgary... Take a ride through Balzac
0: and People get back know, to us. People know, they
2: know Balzac. Okay. It's where you go to go to the Costco. We've got a lot
0: of listeners it's just in Bal-
2: Yeah, we do. Calgary is like our third biggest city. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just above the, uh, just north of the, uh, the airport. Okay. So next time we go to Calgary, which I, you know, maybe someday, we go to Edmonton enough, we should go to Calgary once. Yeah, we'll take a trip to Balzac. Yeah, exactly. We'll land and we'll go straight to Balzac. Perfect. Go to the Costco, get a hot dog.
0: All right. Okay, we're also delivered by the great folks at DoorDash. Ding dong. Use promo code CONVODD, capital C, capital Ds, all one word, CONVODD. That will get 25% off and free delivery on your first order with the DoorDash app. Does not get much better
2: than that, Well, folks. it does get much better than that, actually, quads, because how long have we gone here? Do I have time for a quick story about yeah, DoorDash? Yeah, whatever. Go ahead. Okay, so the other well, day... Well,
0: well, hang on. My name's David Quadrelli, joined, as always, by the man who built the place, Chris Faber. Now you
2: can tell your story. Okay, so I'm on. So I got a Doordash situation the other day. Girlfriend's eyes start swelling up like crazy. I don't know what's going on. She Does the same thing she always does. She went for went to the gym in the morning. Did her thing. Had the same breakfast she always has. No, no big deals. But her eyes start swelling up. She's getting this allergic reaction or something. So I panic. I panic. Doordash. Boom. Quick order. Send it up. The what are the Claritin uh, or no something like that. Reactin. Reactin. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. One of these allergy. You're an allergy guy quads you're analogy yeah guy. put it I, in your, I use Claritin. Usually. put it in your bio I would say but uh yeah they uh whatever delivered it boom 22 minutes at the door DoorDash didn't uh didn't need a promo code or anything because I've used it before in the past but uh yeah Convo dd for your first time users is there anybody here Re- reply to this if you've never used DoorDash before <laughs> like reply to the tweet have you know everybody's used DoorDash we need a new code just even like 2% off. Just give us like something that's not for these. If you're a second-time user, a 50th time, give me something. Well,
0: we've got a lot of new listeners. We're getting a lot of new listeners right now. That's how the off-season that, yeah. usually goes. So if you're a new listener. And they're wondering why
2: we're talking about Balzac.
0: Yeah, we we do that. We, we talk about two cities off the top. Uh, usually they're they have different meanings in the names. Anyways. Anyways. Double entendre.
2: Do we want to go from Balzac to Frank Cervelli or do you want to do something in between there? <laughs>
0: no, let, let's talk a bit. Cause the <laughs> NHL awards were last night recording this on Wednesday morning. The NHL awards are last night. I'm not going to go through my whole ballot, but red Hamilton Canucks equipment manager, uh, alongside Nadia Popovici, the medical student who saved his life. You've heard the story by now in October, she saw the mole on the back of his neck was cancerous pointed out red, went and got checked out, basically saved his life. Uh, so he said she's my MVP right here. Calls up Austin Matthews who wins the heart. Did that surprise you at all that Matthews took home the heart? I won't go through my whole ballot. I had Shisterkin number one.
2: Um, I wouldn't have put Matthews at my number one. What, would you have had Shisterkin? No, I would have done Connor McDavid. I, I'm sorry. I like. I feel like people try and make an excuse on why Connor McDavid shouldn't be the MVP.
0: That's very fair. I, I actually I'm willing to listen to those arguments a lot more because. Honestly, like especially after the playoffs, and I know playoffs don't count for the award, but after seeing what happened in the playoffs, I kind of looked at it and said, hmm, maybe McDavid is more valuable to the Oilers than Matthews is to the Leafs. And that was what it came down to for me in the end.
2: On top of that, you have McDavid doing what he's doing, putting up a ridiculous amount of points on a team that went through a coaching change. And listen, I think Shesterkin is definitely... I think the top three are Matthews, Shesterkin, and mcdavid but i'm sorry like i I just feel like every time we get to these drafts like it's just people are just trying to think of reasons why it shouldn't be mcdavid he's the best player in the league he's the most valuable player to his team i almost
0: i almost wonder if it's a matter of well we've seen this before and i know he set a career high in points i know he set a career high in points but i almost wonder if it's a sense of well he, what's he done for me lately he's not amazing me he hasn't won any championships i know matthews hasn't either but 60 goals that's a pretty impressive feat for any player to reach
2: so yeah i'm sorry I, but you say like hey you say to any team you add one player say you're playing nhl franchise yeah on the video game you add one player to your team you're adding car mcdavid every day of the week absolutely Even in real life you're saying hey let's how do we get more wins you had Connor McDavid to any team. That's that's the player you pick. That's fair. After what you just saw last year, it's to me that's the easy pick for NBA. I don't know. No, I all, They I like got that. all these people in the East Coast here. They don't watch uh, any any game, even Alberta games. They start at nine o'clock. People out East they go to sleep at eight forty-five.
0: <laughs> I like that logic though. Not not the sleeping at eight forty-five logic, but the logic about who would you take on a team. It's McDavid every day of the week. Yeah, to me, that's what it is. Although Shisterkin makes a good case for that, I think.
2: I think you want a franchise goalie. I mean, there was runs of the, of, if you just think back to the regular season, like think about the runs that were happening over like six weeks long of like Shesterkin having like a 960 yeah. 970 save percentage that, that part's like, yo, know, like I don't, I don't think like as good as McDavid is, he can't bring you nine seventy save percentage. Like, Although
0: I don't know if I would take, if you're building a team from scratch and you get to pick one player off any roster, right? Sure.
2: Ain't going to be a goalie. I'll tell you I that. I still think it's McDavid. Oh like, yeah, for sure.
0: But I would take Shesterkin ahead of Matthews. Like, Shusterkin's my number two. Oh man,
2: yeah, but you're a goalie oh, guy. Oh, but you, then
0: there's Makar. Yeah, we're not getting into this. No, if
2: you're talking about that, this player to start your franchise, this is. I don't think we're. I don't think we uh, we're ever gonna. Well, maybe at some point in August we'll have to go down this <laughs> road. But I was thinking like I don't think we'll be that deep into the yeah. off season where we need to do this. But I noticed I've heard that the other day. Some people show's are like, and here are my top five players in the NHL. It's like, oh man, you guys are deep in the off season. Y'all need to get into the NHL draft, bro. <laughs>
0: No kidding. And something I actually wanted to point out, I just read this from Rick Dollywall of Donnie and Dolly. He's talking right now, Chris, about how be prepared over the next two weeks for a ton of rumors. Uh, We heard Besser and Miller thrown out yesterday. Be ready for a lot of rumors. That coming from our friend Rick Dollywall, who called me Squadrelli on the show yesterday, um, complaining about Instagram and how he doesn't like it, how he doesn't know how to use it. We're going to have Rick on the show soon. But be prepared for a lot of trade rumors. And Dollywall also threw out, he heard Connor Garland's name brought up again last night. So something to keep an eye on for sure. As we near the end of the Stanley Cup playoffs, as we near the draft. I almost wonder if having the NHL Awards in the middle of the series, the Stanley Cup finals, if it made the team go, oh wow, okay, like we gotta get going here. Like I forgot it's the offseason now. We gotta, we gotta get going. Because usually that happens once the Stanley Cup final ends, but the draft is two weeks away. Like it's a hair yeah, it's wild, over yeah. two weeks away. So you've got to be ready. You've got to have a plan going into the draft of what you're going to do. You need to basically have your off season plan set basically right now. So I think that's what we're going to start seeing um, as trade talks and rumors and all that sort of stuff start to ramp up. And we talked a bit about that with Frank Cervalli in our conversation.
2: Yeah, uh, I think you're bearing on. I think that's the interesting thing too is like, and maybe we'll just throw to the Frank here in just a couple of minutes, but like that's something that we kind of talked about was like, Hey, do the Canucks and Miller know where they're both at? Right. Right. Like, I think that's something that uh, Rutherford said when he was on daily face offs, uh, DFO rundown uh, with Frank air Valley. And I just think that like, I, I, I and yeah, I don't know, we'll play the, we'll play the thing, the v- clip in a bit here, but just like with the way that Frank said it, cause we already did the interview. I'll just let people know mm-hmm. behind the scenes thing. And it was like, yeah, like both sides probably know where they're at. Like, Miller's camp needs to know what he would be looking at in free agency if he hits it next year. Um, And the Canucks know what they can kind of keep Miller at on a contract that makes a little bit of sense. So, like, I feel like both sides know their amount, and I think that it'll be interesting to see how this kind of plays out here. But I don't – like, I know Sat was on the show on Saturday, and he said he wouldn't be surprised to see this play out further than the draft. But the thing that Rutherford even said is, like, they'll know at the draft what they can do with Miller. And I think that – like draft has now become the trade deadline day like not even the trade deadline it's just it's the big day of trades around the nhl it isn't the deadline anymore it's the draft that's when the big deals like a jt miller gets moved so yeah i'm excited for it i think we're going to see a lot of rumors coming up to it and it's going to be a lot of fun that i'll be you know on the ground there in montreal covering this thing and uh, seeing the trade breakdown or whatever happens uh whatever happens to the canucks at that point i'll be a be down there uh Boots on the ground, as you say, palais and petit peu de français avec uh, mes amis over there, and just uh, you know, spit it up a little bit. Been, been practicing a little bit. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Yep. This I is why that. you're not coming anymore. <laughs> you're, you're gonna walk around singing <laughs> wee wee, talking about Balzac, and, and that's why you're gonna they're gonna kick you out of the the uh, the bell over there.
0: Wee oui, wees and Balzacs. This is a family show. We got to clean it up a bit. Yeah, we do. Although you know, no complaints so far. People seem to like when uh, we go off the rails a little bit. Okay,
2: I was I asked some people about last week's episode. I thought the climax thing went a little far. Yeah, yeah, but I. I what was the feedback? what did you get? Wasn't too. Wasn't too, didn't cross the line.
0: And I don't think. It, I I think we, we we walked the line.
2: Yeah, we tiptoed around either side of it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, but we'll clean things up. But it's the off season. We're getting a little silly. <laughs> I'm sorry about that, and I'm sorry for for. Well, no, I'm not. It's just it's, <laughs> All I'm doing is talking about a city in, or a town in Alberta, not even a town. It's, yeah. I, it's just got a Costco and a, and a groundhog.
0: Stop sheltering your kids from geography. That's yeah, what we're that's to what say. I say. <laughs> that's what we say all the time. We've been saying this for years. Okay, we'll throw to Frank Saravali On the other side, we'll get to a little more Kuzmenko talk because I know people want that. And we'll also get to our poll question brought to you by Atlas Goods. So right now, keep it locked, keep it loaded. Here is Frank Cerevalli on Canucks
2: Conversation. All right, joining us now from Daily Faceoff, it's Frank Valley. Frank, been a while since we've had you on the show. How you been doing down in Tampa Bay? I hear.
1: I'm just trying to stay cool, guys. It is. Uh, this is the all gold bond series. It's uh, it's really incredible. The heat in uh, in Denver. It was thirty eight degrees when I got to Denver and stayed that way pretty much the whole way through. Then get the humidity on the other end here at sea level in Tampa, just as warm. It's uh, for a fat guy in a suit. This is these are not ideal working conditions.
2: I, I am worried about Montreal. I hear <laughs> Montreal gets hot in the summer, so we'll see what's happening.
1: Frank, what yeah, was the, very humid in Montreal as well.
0: What was the NHL awards like for you? Like, what did it look like for you? Was it was it an interesting event to cover last night? Like in the middle of the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the one sort of wrinkle is that usually when we're at the NHL award squad, it's after the season has wrapped, it's definitely a little bit more relaxed. Uh, it's usually in Vegas, so there's a different component to it. And in this case, to sort of wedge it into an off night in the Stanley Cup final, definitely different. Don't normally do it, um, certainly in one of the host cities. So it was a unique venue, a small theater, but they basically just had set up like, a, like a, di- a dinner with everyone at different tables. It was sort of Oscar style. Uh, still really cool to be there in person and to see it. Uh, Kenan Thompson is a funny guy. And, you know, it, it, what was also interesting to me is trying to get the guys that are participating in the final to get them out mm-hmm. for the NHL awards. You know, Victor Hedman has this one-off night at home during the final. And you're saying like, hey, can you come out to the NHL awards show when like you're probably going to finish third and everyone knows you're going to finish third. Mm-hmm. I think that was a little bit of a tug of war trying to get uh, Victor Hedman out. But Kale McCarr comes and collects the hardware and is now looking to see what else he can add to his uh, to his trophy case here in the next couple of weeks.
2: Any surprises yesterday? I know, you know, seeing Roman Yossi get the most first place votes, Kale McCarr ends up taking it with the Norris. Was that a surprise to you at all, or is that kind of the way that you saw it playing out?
1: It was a little bit of a surprise to me to see someone end up with more first place votes and lose. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen all that often. And it's about as close of a margin as you could imagine um, for an NHL award. Like, it doesn't really get much closer than that. We're talking like, because it's awarded on a ten seven five three one scale, you're talking twenty five points separated the two of them. That's like two and a half votes, depending or three votes, depending on how it swings. And that's on a when you have two hundred people voting or casting ballots, like that's that's a really small margin. And so I actually had McCarr number one on my ballot. But the interesting thing is, I had um, I had. Roman Yosi on my heart ballot and so you guys can tell me if I galaxy brain this if I overthought it but I was like I I think Roman Yossi is the more valuable defenseman to his team but I think Kel McCarr is the best defenseman in the league does that make any sense
0: I think that's actually pretty sound logic as you know I put Roman Yossi number one on my Norris ballot but I think that's pretty sound logic to be quite honest with you I think I think you're pretty bang on there
1: because I just thought of it as like Roman Yossi does so much more for the Preds. Like he's their engine, he's their offense, he's everything. Like so much of their season and their hopes, you know, revolved around Yossi and Soros. Um, and to get that from the back end and the season he had was so unique and special. But at the same time, I think that also probably took away from what McCarr did, you know, 28 goals in the regular season. Like, you know, it just, A truly special player the thing is he's also surrounded by more talent and it's you know on depending on the night may or may not be his team's mvp so i don't know i i felt like you know the one time i think in my career voting so far that i you know had someone on a heart ballot that wasn't also at the top of their Mm -hmm. position in terms of a Mm -hmm. positional award
0: I like that. I like that logic, Frank. Okay, so your trade targets. You dropped your trade targets again today. JT Miller coming in sixth on the list. Now, we heard a report yesterday and a few reports yesterday, actually, about strong interest in Miller, Besser, Miller was linked to the Capitals, that type of thing. But my question for you, Frank, is why has it been so quiet? Like, in Vancouver, we're kind of used to hearing a lot about what's going on and, you know, kind of having that curtain pulled right back. It seems pretty quiet, does it not?
1: Yeah, it it does. And and that's the report I've gotten from everyone that I've checked in with. It's like, hey, what's going on on the Besser front, on the Miller front, about some of the other guys that you'd like to trade to create some salary cap flexibility? I have not heard a whole lot. And I don't think it's because the Canucks aren't interested in in doing stuff. Clearly they are. I, I, I don't know if they're still getting their ducks in a row or if they're only sort of just beginning to engage in some of these conversations that are really only heating up now you know, talking to a few managers in the last, you know, 10 days or so, like they were saying, my phone is really just starting to ring. Like Mm. it hasn't been all that busy league wide, which is why we've barely seen any transactions. Um, I think teams spent so long focusing on the amateur draft and getting their list in order for, you know, free agency and, and what those pro scouting conversations look like that they're just wrapping those up. In fact, I know a team, today that's still in their amateur meetings. So everyone does it on a little bit of a different schedule. And I think now is the time when the rubber begins to meet the road for some of those conversations to take place.
2: And Frank, Jim Rutherford was on uh, DFO Rundown a few weeks ago and mentioned that they will know by the draft uh, about the future of JT Miller. I, I have to just believe that like the numbers have been thrown around right now. You have to think that both sides kind of know where they're at. I, I would assume at this point. I don't think this is something that we're going to find out the day before the draft that you know the numbers either work or they don't work. Do you think that they're at a point right now where both sides probably know what the other side wants? I mean,
1: I don't think there's really ever any secret like i i think when Mm -hmm. you have a player of that caliber and that ilk that what you're dealing with is the marketplace like you know what has previously been set and you sort of have a general idea of what those parameters look like um and so yeah I, i don't think there's any sort of secret here um in terms of you know when you look at the canucks and what their expectations might be um the Miller camp and what their expectations might be like, this is a major monumental career changing career defining contract for JT Miller. And I can't, you know, and I've said this and I've been really consistent in saying this, I can't see JT Miller staying in Vancouver for anything less than market value Mm -hmm. and whatever market value is, um, you know, with that term, You know, the Canucks are going to have to pay to keep him, and it's going to be expensive. There's no way around it. And I I really think it's a philosophical question for the Canucks more than anything else, because I think it's going to come down to term. Like, I think, like a lot of teams, they're probably a little bit gun-shy about term. Miller's going to be, what, 31 in the first year of that deal Mm -hmm. uh, when it ends? Something like that. Um, You know, what kind of term do you want to be doling out to, to J.T. Miller that's what it's going to come down to. And and there's going to be someone out there um, that's going to pay J.C. Miller that type of term as well because they're just going to say, hey, we'll worry about the back end of the contract when we have to.
2: Most definitely. I think that's the interesting thing is I think when we looked at this, the trade possibilities at the deadline, we saw there was probably a limited amount of teams that, you know, wanted to kind of take Miller on for what what would have been two playoff runs. And I think now you look into the offseason – and we're talking more about the extension way more than we're talking about two playoff runs it feels like what i mean how different is that how different is the trade market for miller that we saw and kind of talked about and heard about offers at the trade deadline to compared to what we have now in the draft and kind of the whole off season where it feels like a lot more teams could be in on this player
1: yeah i mean i think that's always true like it's a it's a fact i also think like some of the same teams that were interested then are are naturally going to be interested now and i think it just you know it comes down to ripping that band-aid off if you're the canucks if you get to that point where you're not going to pony up to pay him to just basically say hey he's out there he's he's up for grabs let the bidding begin you know let's get the best deal we can i just they're just not there yet
2: I'm curious to say like is there a team that maybe gets a little bit of a push after what happened to them in the playoffs to not even just be JT Miller but is there a team that you think wants to you know get a little bit aggressive here to try and get to the next level of what they just saw their team kind of perform throughout the past playoffs here.
1: Well, I I think every year there's a few teams that are always trying to be you know more aggressive to rebound from, you know, the situation that they were in. Uh, whether it was a disappointing playoff result or a disappointing um, regular season result. And then there's a, a group of teams that are out there that, um, you know, want to get to the next level after an impressive season. So there's those three types of categories. Um, you know, I, I, I realized that the caps have been mentioned and, and I, I don't know if that was speculation or what um, I didn't see the report, but you know, just connect the dots. Like, the, the Caps lose a center in Nick Backstrom that, you know, if not done for his career, is certainly done for this season. Um, you know, they're going to need to replace Nick Backstrom to, to be competitive. That's just a fact. Um, you know, what do the New York Rangers do with their center ice position? I'm, I'm assuming that Ryan Strom has probably priced himself out of New York. Uh, do they want to commit that type of term and dollars to Strom? If not, do they – you know, I heard the the Rangers really like Nazem Kadri. Would they circle back on JT Miller, a guy that they were really interested in as the season went on? Uh, they've certainly got the picks and, and prospects in order to, to make a significant transaction happen. Um, you know, there's all sorts of teams where, you know, JT Miller would be a fit, that teams would be willing to move a ton in order to make it happen.
2: I find it interesting, too, just looking at obviously the drafts coming up here very soon. I'm wondering, like, These teams that have a top 15 pick, like I I think of Columbus, I think of Philly, I think of those and those type of teams potentially being ones that obviously weren't in on Miller at the trade deadline. But do you think that one of these top 15 picks like could be involved in a trade for Miller if it's one of those teams that is wanting to get more aggressive, is wanting to take a big step and knows how much JT Miller can bring compared to what they could do if they draft, say, you know, 12th overall, that player is not going to be in your lineup next year. Do you think that like there could be some interest for one of these top 15 picks to look to move for Miller?
1: Why not? I mean, mm-hmm. he's that good of a player. Uh, you'd have him theoretically for long term, thinking that you're going to sign him. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I could see that 100% being the case. Uh, were you Were you mentioning miller and and the blue jackets because of the ohio connection
2: well you keep writing ohio in your articles Frank. What you, are you giving us breadcrumbs or what
1: no I'm, I'm actually not um i think it's more just to point out that he's you know from the u.s and you know mm-hmm. i guess at the end of the day if he were to choose that a u.s destination would be preferred i would think
0: that's very fair frank do you think the Canucks make any buyouts this offseason? Like, I know you've written about Jason Dickinson and Tanner Pearson. They're on your trade list. Do you think a buyout is something that the Canucks are going to explore this offseason?
1: I don't think so, just because I don't think the numbers really work out in their favor. Um, the buyouts are not, you know, they're not ideal. I, I think it's always a, last, a case of last resort. Um, I, I think they'd much rather try and, you know, trade, in order to make that happen. Um, I think there's enough teams out there that are willing to take on bad contracts to try and get to the floor that, you know, perhaps there's an opportunity this year. Like, so here, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example of one. Um, the NHL, you know, when you look at the cap system and cap friendly, a team that is in a prime opportunity or space to take on contracts this summer is Anaheim Ducks. They've got a load of cap space. They're trying to get to the floor. They're not trying to be all that competitive this year. They're trying to, you know, stockpile as many assets as possible. Mm. So I was talking to someone, a league executive at the NHL Awards, and he was saying, "Hey, the Ducks are willing to take on a bad contract, even as part of the John Gibson trade, to increase what they get in return for Gibson, and to also, you know, if you have question marks about Gibson and his cap hit and the term." well, we're going to make it easy for you and basically make it a net you know, change of zero on your cap based on the contracts that we would take back. We need a, you know, a significant haul in order to make that happen. We need a lot from you, but that's the thought process. So I think they're, you know, the, the Canucks are obviously in a spot where they don't need goaltending. They've got Patrick Demko, but it just goes to show you a way that teams are willing to get creative in order to make something happen.
2: It feels like that's what the Vancouver Canucks are going to have to do with Jason Dickinson, who, like, it's so strange because it felt like he was, you know, a real big piece of the Dallas Stars team when, you know, when they went on their cup run. This was a guy who was playing, you know, big minutes against top competition and just hasn't found a fit in Vancouver. Is it going to take one of those, you have to give up an asset to trade Jason Dickinson? Or, I mean, like, we just saw Travis Hamnick get dealt, and I know there was only one year left on his deal, uh, and that probably shocked almost everyone around the league, do you think that like Jim Rutherford, Patrick Galvin can pull another rabbit out of a hat and be able to move Dickinson for something? Or is it a player because he has two years left at 2.65 where they need to attach a pick to a player like him to get rid of the salary?
1: Well, I think they'd have to attach something in this case. I'd be surprised just based on the production from Dickinson or really lack thereof.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I just not to criticize the previous regime at all, but I think that's where they kind of got themselves in trouble. And you know, that's how you get your salary cap picture out of whack is when you begin to pay players uh, that, you know, they may bring some other elements to your team and to your lineup. And I know this is the conversation that went around and around with someone like Tyler Mott before he was traded to the Rangers was, oh, well, he's a heart and soul guy. He does all these different things for you. And that's great. But at the end of the day, the production matters. The points and goals matter. And you can't be paying players that play on your third line you know, 2.65 or 2.73 million dollars a year, it just doesn't work. Not in a flat cap world, not when the cap isn't increasing. And so you have to devote that money to your stars, your difference makers, your play drivers, and every extra, you know, 500 grand, 700 grand, a million dollars that's over what that player should be paid. It just takes away from, you know, all the other things that you can do in your lineup. And so that's, um, that's the type of trouble the Canucks are in is like they've got this Pearson contract, they've got the Dickinson contract. They have to most likely trade assets in order to move them. And at least with Dickinson, maybe not so much so with, with Pearson. But the Canucks also are in a position where it's not just a one year turnaround that they're looking for, they're trying to build for the future. So, do you really want to be giving up assets? Yeah. Are they in a position where they can give up assets in order to make that happen?
2: Yeah, it doesn't doesn't feel like it. I, 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 we have to ask about this. This is a discussion that we have. We bring in guys like Harm. Like I feel like we bring in guys like Wyatt. Everyone. We talk with a lot of people here in the Vancouver market on this show, and nobody here knows. And I feel like Quads and I are pretty dialed in, but. We have no idea what the value of Tyler Myers is on a trade market. Like last year, I would have told you he was a negative value contract, has a good bounce back year. This year, you only have two years left on the deal. He's still making $6 million. Frank, can you just, what the hell would Tyler Myers be like on the trade market? Because we have no idea. We've we've tried to discuss it. We can't come to an answer here. Do you have to give up to get rid of Tyler Myers? Is he worth something? He's, you know, a big right shot defenseman, only scored one goal last year. Like there's so many questions uh, for us on Tyler Myers, and what he could be on the trade market. What would you project like is he a player That you need to attach a pick to does he bring A pick back like we just don't know
1: Well I don't think there's negative trade Value like I I think Mm -hmm. he would bring Something back like the cap hit It's significant but it's not It's not overwhelming I don't think right Um, And in this case you know I've heard His name continue to be mentioned Among trade possibilities For the Canucks and yet I don't I can't quite wrap my brain around it because when you look at the Canucks lineup and the spot that they're in, like, you know, every team needs right shot defensemen and the Canucks even more so. They've struggled on the right side more than any other position to fill out their team. How could you possibly be in a position now to say, we need to do this because of cap considerations? Like who is going to play on the right side for the Canucks if they trade it?
2: That's a great question. We just traded Hamannick. (laughs) <laughs>
1: well that's kind of the point is like yeah. you know you can continue to move bodies around if you want and you can rejig your salary cap i would you know on the list of, of people on the canucks that you players on the canucks that you want to trade in order to try and create that cap flexibility i i would happen to think that myers is pretty far down the list
2: and it's interesting because like, like you if you would have said that last year people wouldn't have agreed with you at all. But I think after having a bounce back year and only having two years left on the deal, like I, I in my eyes, he was a negative value contract a couple of years ago, or even last year, or, you know, maybe even when he signed that deal, it seemed like a big deal for him to bring in here at $6 million. But because there's, you know, only a couple of years remaining now and what he had with the bounce back, it just feels like it, things have changed for the value of Tyler Myers in the past couple of years here.
1: Well, and, and it's only going to get better as right. more time ticks off the contract, right? Like, there's some other teams that are in similar spots now. Like I, I had someone ask me yesterday, hey, do you think the Flyers will uh, buy out James Van Like He has one year left at $7 million. And I'm like, first off, why would you buy him out? He's in the last year of the deal. Instead of one year of a cap headache, you're going to create two. And the second part is he could be, if he has a strong start or has a decent season, puts in you know 20 goals, which he seems to do on the regular, it's a flippable asset for you at the deadline. you can get something for the longer the season goes on if Tyler Myers has a good year if the Canucks are out of the picture you can move him at the deadline I would think probably for a pretty attractive package um in addition to you know you know and if the Canucks are out of the playoff picture well then it's a pretty easy answer because you're saying well it doesn't really matter who fills out the right side of our defense once we're out of it but to start the year I just I can't Short of having some, you know, miracle body show up that um, or, or they make a significant acquisition elsewhere to get a right shot defense. But I, I just don't see a path forward for that moving.
2: Yeah, no, it's a good point. I, I guess final one will wrap up with you here, Frank. Um, we look at the Vancouver Canucks' prospect pool, and though I hype them up quite a bit here in Vancouver, um, mm-hmm. they are probably near the bottom of the league when you look at their prospect pool as a whole. I'm curious, what do you think you get the vibe from Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin and their history um, of potentially trading down? Uh, They have the 15th pick overall right now, but you look at trades of the past and even just looking one year ago, the 15th pick gets moved. You had a second round pick. You moved down seven spots. It it feels like the Canucks do need quality to their prospect pool, but they might need quantity even more. Do you think trade down is a serious option for the Vancouver Canucks here? I mean, it's always possible.
1: I would think in this case that um it would depend how far down right in order to to fully evaluate the question i'd imagine that they're open to anything but i think your point is a fair one in that they don't first off they don't have anyone you know or i I shouldn't say anyone they don't have many players that are knocking on the door that are um you know sort of ready to to step in there's no you know, the, the quality is missing, to your point. Yeah. Uh, there's no burgeoning, you know, star in the making that's in the pipeline. That hurts, but also the sort of lack of depth that you have and, and you look at uh, at Abbotsford and, and really just how many older players are part of the organization uh, that are on NHL contracts. Like, it's, you know, especially on the back end, like you, you just you need more guys that you can turn to. Um, you know, which is another reason why I love the, the Philip Johansson signing. Like, mm-hmm. no risk, entry-level deal, guy that was previously a high pick and, and well-thought-after, um, and, you know, just take a flyer on him. Maybe it doesn't work out, but it doesn't cost you much. If he doesn't play NHL games, it costs you literally next to nothing to have him play out in his entry-level deal two years at 150000 total if he never makes it to the NHL plus a little signing bonus. Like, I mean, that's it. So, you know, things like that are small wins and and the Johansson signing was also a reminder of a team that has not signed very many players to entry level contracts over the last number of years. Um, You know, you've got to bring in as many young guys as you can. And if you're looking for cap flexibility, you need as many, entry-level players on your roster that are solid contributors as possible to help balance things out.
2: Absolutely. It's been good to see the shift uh, from what we've seen from the new management group anyways. I think there's a lot more confidence anyways uh, from the Vancouver market and what we've seen so far.
1: Well, confidence is key. Like, mm-hmm. chipping away one win at a time. Kuzmenko yeah. signing, you know, Philip Johansson signing, the Dermot swap for, um, you know, for... Uh, Oh, Travis Hamanek, like all those things, you begin to pile them up and a bunch of small wins turn into big wins. And when you have people at the, the top that are making smart decisions and are ahead of it, um, you know, your team all of a sudden it can turn around in pretty short order.
0: Frank, we uh, didn't even ask you about Kuzmenko and we're, we're running short on time. So I'll quickly ask you, do you think he signs in Edmonton if our friends at Oilers Nation were the ones that took him out instead?
1: I'm. Uh, I am not certain of that. Honestly, I, I think. I think the Canucks' squads were always the favorite. Um, they had put on the full court press on Kuzenko. Boudreaux did his part in terms of helping make it happen. The opportunity is there. Um, the fit is there. Uh, certainly, with you know a couple other Russians around in a pod polls and that he can lean on, um, and it's no risk. And to think that, you know, that also gives the Canucks greater flexibility in terms of moving on from some of those players that we talked about. Not so much, you know, the guys at the upper echelon of the roster. We're not talking about him replacing Brock Besser or anything like that. But it makes it so much easier to move on from, uh, you know, a Pearson or a Dickinson, you know, that we've talked about. If you can, you know, have someone like Kuzmenko that can slot in for so much less, you can begin to see. You know, all of those pieces fit together and fit together nicely in Vancouver.
2: Yeah, I think downtown Jay would have taken him out for a good (laughs) night, though, in Edmonton. He would have showed him the better places than Joey, that's for sure.
1: I mean, look, they those the Oilers Nation guys, they, they know where to go for sure.
2: <laughs> Just would have been donors for 24 hours. Uh, all right, Frank, uh, appreciate you taking the time. Uh, we'll let you get back to it here in Tampa Bay. Uh, you can find the trade list targets right now on dailyfaceoff.com, and appreciate you taking the time here uh, to give us the inside information, Frank. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know, get back into some AC rooms and uh, stay out of the heat over there in Tampa.
1: My pleasure, guys, and we'll see you at the draft.
2: Absolutely. Thanks, Frank. And a massive thank you to Frank Zarevalli
0: of Daily Off for joining us. Interesting chat there that we had with our friend, Frank, Frank Zarevalli. So now it's time for the poll question. It's the moment you've all been waiting for. It is time for the episode 273 poll question brought to you by Atlas Goods. Go to atlasgds.com, use promo code CC15, gets you 15% off your first order of pop rinds. These are the best fresh pork rinds straight out of your microwave or air fryer. Locally owned company, go check them out, atlasgds.com, Atlas Goods. They take good care of us. Have you
2: tried the nachos yet? I have not tried the nachos just yet. I've been letting the well. No one's like giving me crap yet. Well, people should start. Like people gave you crap for not knowing what PTI was. That was so funny. Is it's yeah. still on? And then I, I googled it after, and I was like,
0: "Oh, you I do googled know, it." Yeah, I was like, "Oh, I do know what this is." But I, I was wow. gonna, I was not gonna end the bit. So now I know what it is, and I. Did did know what it was. I just couldn't remember the name. I forgot that's what it was called. What do you
2: think it was called?
0: Well, you know what? People brought up good points. They were like, who cares if Quaz does know what that is? Because it's not even like the third best sports show in the States. Oh, man. Un- people said Undisputed was better. People said First Take was better.
2: Yeah, but people are wrong a lot of the time. That's
0: fair. I also don't watch Undisputed or First Take. Longest, so.
2: like Long running, really good, back and forth. The chemistry between those two is just incredible. I think it's the best talk show. It was it was like one of the first things that um, I recorded every single day, and then would watch like because it aired at like two thirty, yeah. So I'd get off you know get off of school and uh, come home like make it you know my my long walk home because back in the day you had to walk uphill both ways. Uh, I got home at like three forty five ish. Boom, straight to PTI. Every I day. watched
0: I watched Tim and Sid a lot. I thought See, Tim that's and Sid. your problem. Well, no, Tim, that's my problem. <laughs> Tim and Sid in their prime. I will say Tim and Sid's prime was like. 2015 so i was you know i was like 15 years old at the time i would come home or not home i'd go to my grandpa's house after school and we'd watch it together and it was so much fun i don't know maybe it's the memory of watching it with my grandpa is the reason i love it so much but i love tim and sid back in the day not so much anymore i don't watch uh, tim and friends i think it's called now yeah Tim. We, and friends. we don't work at Sportsnet anymore so we're allowed to say that uh but yeah i don't watch it much anymore uh yeah um, personally
2: but I would say, like, Some people love... There's, like, a Tim and Sid, like, crew, though. Like, people... The Tim and
0: Citizens.
2: That's what they're called? That's what we were What are they called, called now? The Notice Tim and friends Yeah, I don't think they have a cool name anymore. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Rogers didn't They're probably just called the Ann Friends, right? I guess. <laughs> because yeah. they're... That's what I would assume. Okay, can we get to the poll question here? No, let's do another 45 minutes here on... Uh, on uh, Tim McAuliffe and his career trajectory. He followed me
0: on Twitter. That was a big oh, moment wow. for me. Was that it was a, from a the Kuzmenko moment.
2: news? No, it was a while ago. It was oh, like good. a year ago. I don't good know what you. it was from. I mean, I'm the one who worked at Sportsnet and I didn't, never got the follow. Maybe I did. I don't know. I don't follow him, <laughs> though. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Our Atlas Goods poll question. Who will put up the most
0: points next season? Andre Kuzmenko, Nils Hoaglander, Vasily Podkolzin, and as always, I'm Angry Chris. So far, 191 votes leading the vote with 44%. Vasily Podkolzin, right behind him, Andre Kuzmenko with 37%. Niels Huglander not getting much love on this poll with 15%, 4% of voters say they are angry. Chris, where did you vote on this one? Because personally, I went with Vasily Podkolzin. I had Vasily Podkolzin, and my reasoning, Chris, is I don't want fans to forget the final couple weeks, maybe even month, of Vasily Podkolzin's season. And... Let's not forget that in a Russian interview after the season, he said that he was starting to feel the effects of a full NHL season toward the end, and he was still dynamite. Like, maybe not the last week. Maybe there was a little bit of a slowdown, whatever, but that final month where Vasily Podkolzin really looked like he was starting to get it, I don't want fans to forget that, Chris, because in my mind... That's the Vasily Podkolzin you are going to see right off the hop at training camp. You are going to see a hard-working player. You are going to see the same things at training camp that he showed us last year in Abbotsford that earned him a roster spot out of camp. You are going to see all of that. You're also going to see the coaches trust this time around. Let's not forget Vasily Podkolzin's first season. He made the team out of training camp wasn't until November, and this is no fault on Pod Coles, this is a good feat in its own, that by November, he had had the trust of head coach Travis Green at the time to go in, shut down games when the Canucks had a lead, the seldom times they had a lead under Travis Green uh, down the stretch there. But Vasily Pod Colson had earned the coach's trust, Travis's trust, he had earned Boudreaux's trust by the end of the year. I think you're coming into next season with a much more comfortable Vasily Podkolzin who, you know, going to be able to give interviews in English. I think that's going to be a big thing for Podkolzin. He's going to be more comfortable around the team. He's got his pal Kuzmenko coming here as well. I think you're going to see Podkolzin take another step next year, and I think it's going to be in a big way right from training camp.
2: I think the interesting thing was like if, you, if we think back and go listen to some of those episodes like a year ago, uh, you know, or even like 11 months ago, right before training camp was about to start. I As high as I was on Vasily Podkolzin, did I ever think that we would see Vasily Podkolzin playing with Elias Pedersen? I like maybe, maybe when I was at like my most positive, I was thinking that would be a possibility, but I don't think that was the consensus around going into training camp of like, oh no, like Podkolzin's gonna, you know, he's gonna start with JT Miller. He's gonna start with Elias Pedersen. He's gonna get an opportunity to be a top six player. I think that he was going to have to work his way up to that point. It was pretty early in Pod Colson's NHL career where he was given those opportunities much earlier than I thought it was going to come at. And to come into now and have that in your back pocket, come into your sophomore season, I'm with you. I, like, I think Pod Colson's the season that he's going to be set up for, it's going to be interesting to watch how the sophomore slump hits him, right? Like we saw how hard it hit Niels Huglander this past year. I would actually, and it's going to be interesting under Bruce Boudreaux. But looking at these three players in the poll, I, I'm guessing that this is the least the one that's getting the least reaction is Niels Huglander, but that's who I'm gonna pick puts up the most points out of these hmm. three players. I, I still like I, I know it was a down year for Niels Huglander, but it just feels like there's so much offensive potential to his game. Like I still really like the way that he handles the puck. And I think I think last year kind of you know, takes the shine off Neil's headliner of how good he really was in his rookie season at producing points at 5-on-5. This guy was an excellent producer at 5-on-5, didn't get a ton of power play time, but if he's able to just build on what he did in his rookie season instead of, you know, taking another step back, which I don't think is going to happen. I think it was just a down year for him. And if he's able to to actually, you know, get a little bit more luck offensively and just a little bit more, you know, have a little bit of a a higher on-ice shooting percentage when he's on the ice, like there was a lot of things uh, that just – it's not like Niels Huglander doesn't work hard, right? Like he works really hard and he just wasn't rewarded for it last year. And that's, that's unfortunate. And that comes with the sophomore slump kind of situation. But I, I'll probably, yeah. Like how much does Huglander have in this vote? 15%. 15%. Okay. So that's maybe a little well, bit higher than I thought. I, 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 My
0: next question for you, Chris, is does Huglander deserve a little more love in this poll? Like I understand poll questions are a little flawed in the sense of, you can only pick one player. So if it's between Kuzmenko, Podkolzin, and Hoglander I do think Kuzmenko and Podkolzin are probably on another level than Hoaglander,
2: But In the depth charts probably right now, maybe. Yeah, maybe. And, and,
0: and I was looking at this, and I found it really interesting because if you look at, in their current form, the Canucks' left-wing depth, and let's not forget that Jim Rutherford spoke with Rick Dollywall very recently and said, because Manko is going to be able to play with either JT Miller, Bo Horvat, or Elias Pedersen down the middle. We're strong down the middle. Now, you know, we're assuming that Miller might be one of the guys dealt this off season, but like, let's look at the Canucks left wing forward depth, right? Because at the top of that list, it's Tanner Pearson and below it, it's really not that much. Like, it's Niels Hoglander, it's Matthew Highmore, and, you know, maybe you put Will Lockwood, who I think played the right more than he played the left.
2: But I think, I think with Kuzmenko and Garland, like, and Besser, like, I think um, Pod Colson is going to be a left winger.
0: That's well, Kuzmenko is a righty who plays the left side, right?
2: Uh, yeah, he is.
0: I, I I know this for a well,
2: fact. Well, he on faceoffs, he lines up on the left side in of the offensive zone, but he plays the right. Hmm. That's interesting. Like, he me. lines up on the left to get that quick you Know coming from the yeah, yeah, left yeah. to the totally. right so you can get a shot off. So,
0: do you think Pod Colson has moved to the left wing then? Yeah, because I think Pod Colson could play both wings uh, pretty easily. So, you have Miller or sorry, you have Besser, Garland, and Kuzmenko ahead of him on the right. No,
2: no, no sorry, not that's on the right, not ahead. Yeah, excuse me. That's who you have on the right is Besser, Garland, Kuzmenko. Yeah, and then on the left, you have Pearson, Huglander, Pod Colson. I think it, it, it depends. Like, I'm not saying that's not the ranking I have, Matt. Like, I, I could easily see. Huglander being with Pedersen. I could easily see Pod Colson being with Pedersen. I could easily see Miller having, you know, Pearson or Horvath. Sure. Like, like, oh man, it's, it's what... I feel like I'm always getting excited because the, the Kuzmenko ad gives you those things that, that we love here at, at the podcast on a, on, a, on a show that covers Vancouver Canucks is like chatting about the options. Like the top nine has like... You feel good about all all of those players in the top nine being top nine players.
0: Yeah. Like you think about the conversation we were having two years ago, right? It was yeah. like, who's going to play on the second line? Yeah. You know what I mean? It was just, it was totally different. And one thing I want to say about Kuzmenko, as we wrap up the poll question here. That's the thing. Up,
2: to me, it's like, sorry, to cut you off, it's like, it's a shiny new toy. It's the guy who impressed last year. And people are just, to me, putting Nils Huglander away. You yeah. Nils Huglander. He's the Buzz Lightyear toy. What that's, have you done it's, for an me old, lately? it's an older toy, but it always hits still. Kids love Buzz Lightyear. They got the new movie coming out here. Maybe you're getting the new version of Neil's Hugliner next year as well. Same type, but you got the shiny new toy. you, What are the kids playing with nowadays, Quads? They got, uh, what are, what's a kid's toy? Give me one. Something you play with. Uh, uh, Furbies? No, that's an older one. <laughs> Shoot. you <and> your, <laughs> No, you, Lego. You know, Lego. You play with your Legos. No, that's... Yeah, that's... I don't know if that's the... Uh, a good equivalent. This is this has gone downhill real quick. About trying to make a comparison. <laughs> what is the hot toy right now? Like I know
0: Lego. Lego's never going to die. It just celebrated their 90th anniversary on June 18th. dropped years? a couple new sets. It was pretty cool. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I was talking with Josh Weisbach about that. He's a big Lego guy.
2: Hmm. Uh, I was going to say, I wonder what uh hot like Christmas gifts for for kids this. this
0: yeah, year. I wonder. You could look it up while I just kind of off the cuff throw out some things. Cause I know Lego is big and, and to, to, to go through and find Lego in like a Walmart or wherever you got to walk through the kids section. So I'll tell you what, Chris, I'm still seeing a lot of WWE action figures when I walk through the toy aisles. Um, still like a lot of pink, that's how you know it's slime the was big for
2: a while. Is that slime uh, was big? I'm seeing here. Here's the top ten hottest Christmas toys for uh, 2021. Uh, an LOL dollhouse. Yes. Up okay. There. I've Darn seen it. those. Yeah. yeah. And the
0: Barbie Dreamhouse. I know JT Miller got that for his daughters, and right. I, I think he joked or someone. I'm not sure if it was Miller joked that it was like, yeah, he's gonna have to take out a mortgage on it because it's like a $400 toy. Jeez. Although I spent $400 got on the, Lego uh, not that long ago.
2: The Magic Mixies. Yeah. Which is a, a misting cauldron. That's taught by. uh, We're getting a
0: little off the rails here.
2: Star Wars Galactic Snacking Grogu.
0: Okay, okay. Usually it's me that's googling stuff. Now you're just like a zombie on your phone, just rattling off toys.
2: A Play-Doh cake oven playset. Oh, that's pretty cool. I would have loved to have that. A VTEC digital camera and printer. VTEC still cool. going strong. Do you yeah. remember and the VTEC laptop It still looks the same. Like the v- No tech way. was Yeah, well, you know, they have like the... It would be like color yeah. sort of see-through. Wow. Still look, they still That's keep that vibe. Sweet.
0: I got a VTEC laptop downstairs that had a bunch of games on oh, it. You quadri- could do You're going to like bit. this
2: one. You probably already got this one. The Lego Adventures with Mario starter kit.
0: Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, and, and Lego just dropped the Knight's Castle or the Lion Knight's Castle, which is like... A four hundred dollar set, but it's okay. it's like eight thousand pieces. Really cool
2: what Lego just Went off dropped the rails. Yeah, I think Niels Huglander scores the most points out of those out three. Out of players. those three. Yep. Wow. Okay. That's I, think a he hot gets, take. I think he gets back and I think he gets close to fifty and, and though it's a little bit of a hot take, I think I'm more confident in Niels Huglander being an NHL point producer than I am Andre Kuzmenko I think I'm more and confident. And I think that's saying a lot after what Huglander did last year. Like I, I do think that that is a he's hot. Take. Bounce back
0: I, I think it's Kuzmenko and Pod Colson both ahead of Huglander when all said and done this really? next season. I okay. really think. That But one thing I wanted to add on Kuzmenko is, you know, I edited your article, so I was forced to watch some tape on Kuzmenko. And one thing I thought of is the Canucks haven't really had that right-handed distributor, like real playmaking distributor yeah. behind the net since Tyler Toffoli. That yeah. was the name that came to mind. And I thought to myself, you know, they tried Brock Besser in that spot. Uh it worked at times, but Brock Besser also found himself on the second power play unit. And you can roll two units if you have an Andre Kuzmenko on your team. Because I think you put put you put Kuzmenko, excuse me, on that first power play unit behind the goal line. Shifty player, a lot as heck. of playmaking abilities, right? Like a lot more playmaking abilities than Brock Besser. Like if there's one fault on Brock Besser, it's his skating and it's his ability to change direction on a dime. It's the opposite with Kuzmenko, right? Like really shifty players. You're going to see some spin-o-ramas and all that sort of stuff that we see mostly from Connor Garland. But I think that's your right-handed distributor that you want playing behind the goal line.
2: Yeah. And Kuzmenko, when he does his spins, like he just, he just flies away from KHL defenders and he's not going to do that against NHL competition, but he is going to create space for himself, like using his agility to do that. So, um, I'm confident in the offensive traits of Kuzmenko and, uh, Yeah, we'll see. I think it's all going to depend who's like the what's happening on PP2. We could see all three of these players together uh, on the second power play unit, like very realistically, too. So uh, it'll be interesting. I'm just I guess I'm taking the hot shot here with Nils Huglander. I still like what he does offensively. I love the effort level. I just think that he didn't find a great um, situation with Bruce Boudreaux last year. And I hope that he can kind of come back and prove like the reason he got playing time with Travis Green, like Nils Huglander earned that. And I think he's going to have to do the same with Bruce Boudreaux. And I think he can. He has all the skill in the world to do it. That's a good take. I, I, I'm curious to see it. I'm very
0: curious to see it. All right. We'll wrap it up there. Uh, for my co-host, Chris Faber, our thanks to Frank Servalli for joining us on this episode. And, of course, as always, to you, the listener, for hearing what we have to say. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim?